switch. No, it looks great, especially in that light. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, what's up? Welcome back to episode six of the After Action Review. You guys know me as the world's most okayest Green Beret, Nick Guy. And with me, I have the most handsome Green Beret of all time, Terry Shepard. Terry, thanks for coming on, buddy. Man, this has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Yes. I, I don't think I'm handsome. I think I think it's I think the attraction, Nick, if I may uh, you know, expound on is just, you know, it's Please. it's the it's it's the ruggedness. It's it's I just turned fifty-four, and so as Harrison Ford says, it's not the age, it's the mileage. You can see. You can see I've lived, Nick. And that's, that's what important. I'm saying. It's like that, it's like a beautiful marbling. <laughs> By the way, okay, so let's get a couple heat. things out. Yeah, let's get a couple things. So we're a couple of Green Berets, and yep. just going forward, we have to say this too. In our world, we don't call each other Green Berets. We have to call each other this if people don't know who we are, right? I've had to do this my whole career because, if, you know, if you say I'm a special operations guy or I'm, a, a, or if, you, if you just say I'm an SF guy, we call ourselves SF, Special Forces. But if you say, oh, I'm a special op, I'm a special forces guy, people go, oh, yeah, my son was a Marine or my, my, my cousin's a SEAL. So, you know, nothing against those guys. But so no. going forward, we'll probably call each other SF. So we don't say it all the time. But just so people know, we don't call each other Green Berets. We just do that so you know who we are, right? If, that, that's a fair explanation. That makes sense. And if I was any good at this and I could pull up like graphics or little notes, to you know, little asterisks that say, oh, Army Special Forces, I would. Right. But um, when it comes to echoes, and you might know this, when it comes to special forces communication sergeants, you have radio guys and you have computer guys. Everybody's That's true. Every That's echo true. can do – they're trained to do both, but one leans – every single one leans a certain direction. I lean towards radios. I like antenna theory. I nerd really? out with that stuff. Wow, yeah. When it comes to computers, setting up like the, the SATCOM nodes. All yikes. the network crap. Yeah. No, no. Everybody I would have thought, thought you were, you know, you're a young, st- I'd have thought you were in that kind of computer generation. I, I came in when I came through the Q course, the qualification course. The qualification. Uh, so people know what that is. That's the Green Beret training. Uh, I was going through the, the 18 Delta course, which is the medical course. But our, our commo guys, you know, which was the 18 Echo, the communications guys, they were learning. They were still had to test out on AMIC, you know, Morse code. And uh, a lot of old school radios. We even had in the old uh, sets, uh, our, our, you know, the, the tax, I had a medical tax set, but the commo stuff, there was those old bicycles that you could, that you could actually generate. There was more. We still stuff. have those. You still have that. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, I mean, I, I, mean, I saw it, you know, but I mean, you don't, a lot of guys don't know how to do that stuff now. No. And, and nowadays, like they, they hit you with, and it, it's funny because I just did a uh, change of command inventory. So I pulled everything out of my cage. Uh, and, and by the other thing, if people don't know what that is, that is such an ass pain to do. <laughs> it's so every painful. single piece of sensitive equipment oh, out, the worst, laid out. But we pulled it out, and you know nowadays we have all those high speed solar panels. Yeah, and and they started off really crappy, but they've become super efficient. Probably pretty good now. Yeah, I think they are. But yeah. I don't know anybody who wants to pack that set. They'd rather. Yeah. They'd rather pack the little bicycle thing because it, you know, it fits in a ruck. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Solar panel sets like this big now. Oh man, and and you know it's funny. It, I, 
I saw it. At, I came in at a weird time. You know, we'll talk about sort of that history, but it's stuff cycles back. I think, you know, you, you, you had the old school radios and then, you know, computers were really the thing. And that goes back to that. And, you know, I think sometimes the old way, you have to know that stuff, dude, you have to know it. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes the old ways are the better ways, or at least you better know how to do it. Cause you may not have the more complicated stuff is or, or sensitive or technical. A lot of times the more chance it has the break. So, um, you know, I mean, that's just, this is the way it is. And we operate and in really crappy environments. We do. But you, you'll know this just as well as any other SF special forces. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Guy knows. I mean, if we were to ever go up against like a, a, a peer or a near peer threat, they're going to use high tech to counter our tech. Right. So what are we going to fall back on? The same right. thing that our current adversaries do. They right. go low tech all the time. All the time. And it's very effective. It's very it is. Effective. It's hard to defeat. You cannot use technology to defeat analog or that's, a runner yeah, that's, or that's a carrier pigeon. Like and, no. And, and sometimes low tech is really, is really good stuff. And, 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 and everything changes. When I, when I came through the Q course, uh, you know, I had just gotten to, I was in, I was in, I was in Charlie 110. I was in, you know, the unit over there. And people even then were starting to say, you know, the whole unconventional warfare, the whole guerrilla warfare thing is probably going away. What? Right? And then, because, you know, we were a direct action unit. That's what we did. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, I, I, was, I, I was in until 97. I got out. And then, you know, 2001, there's guys riding in on animals dressed like the locals doing classic old school Green Bray unconventional warfare stuff. So I guess... The motto should really be, not just in our world, but in anybody's world, whatever you do for a living, never say never, never say always, and never say never, because it's, it, you just, you're going to be wrong. You will sometimes have to do something, and you may never do something, but you're always going to have to, it'll always come back. So, oh, we'll never do guerrilla warfare. No, that's BS. Ah, uh, you know, we probably got to get away from direct action. No, we need to do that too. You'll get back to all of it. It's just, it, you're kind of always chase the tail, and we'll never be exactly what we want or we'll never actually have exactly what we need at any time, but you got to be able to adapt and go back and forth. Absolutely. I, you said it yourself. I mean, 2001. Oh my God. We don't have any sort. We don't have a rat line system set up. Nope. We don't have airfields set up. Nope. We have mountains to get over. How the hell are we going to do that? And, yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, some big brain too. Like sitting right. in a in a meeting yes. with a bunch of one and two stars, and the guy goes, "What about horses?" <laughs> <laughs> they used to do that, didn't they? Used to do what are the well? You know, the question always is, well, "What do they do over there?" Oh, they ride animals. Okay, cool, right? It's what incredible. and that's that's another lesson we in our world too. You know, green berets and that's uh, we'll just call ourselves green berets. But if there I say SF, I just I had to get that out of the way so that people know, but. You know, one of our biggest things is we are the only, you know, initially special operations force, and we, we really still are, that was geared solely towards, you know, the guerrilla warfare, where we would actually go somewhere, live a long time, get to know those locals, and really get the lay of the land. And you do, one of the things that leads to success is you do things the way they do. You can, you actually can operate using the same, you know, technique, tactics, uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures. And you you blend in with that with, with those people because that may be all you have and I was that was really a, um that was really an attractive thing to me so so I don't know I think we've talked about this so like I was you know I had I was studying biology and anthropology at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington 
and I got bored. I switched my major at the end of my junior year. But but what messed things up for me was <clears throat> I read a book about the Green Berets in Vietnam. It was like a Mac V SOG book. And I borrowed it from a friend of mine. He just had it laying around. I go, oh, what's this? Okay, cool. And, dude, I opened that up, Nick, and I couldn't put it down. Spent all night reading it. And, of course, the missions and what these guys did, uh, the stuff these cats accomplished was – if you haven't read anything about those guys, you need to. But what really sold it for me was the black and white pictures of them. So you see these guys with their arms around each other, you know, black guys, white guys, Montagnards. No one cared about any of that. They, they just come out of the bush. They were, they were wearing tiger stripe fatigues, camel oh, up with their God, dirty and sweat. That's such a powerful aesthetic. It's the best. Tiger stripe is the best. Absolutely. And, but, but, but they were – I remember looking at the pictures of these guys, and you're looking at this picture realizing these guys just came out of the bush, and not all of them came out alive, and these, these motherfuckers are smiling. Oh. These guys smile at death. And I thought, that's the kind of guy I wanted to be. I, I, I have to tell you, I didn't, I didn't do it for patriotism. I, of course, I love the country. But my, my goal was, I want to be that guy. I want to be that dude at the end of it, smiling at death. And so that's so I, I finished college. And then I enlisted in the Army. And, I, and back then, you know, you couldn't, they didn't have that, that x-ray program. I guess you went through, right? Yeah, so, I, I'm an SF baby. Right. But you know, we, we got a lot of good guys out of that. But like when I was in, you had to be in for a while. So I, I was an, in, I joined him as an infantry guy in the 82nd. It was great. I was in a scout platoon. So went to Ranger school. There was a really cool uh, Ricondo school at, at, at Bragg. Uh, I was in the Gulf War for eight months. You're welcome for your freedom, Nick. You're welcome ah. for your freedom. You'd be speaking Arabic if I had not gone in there back Thank then God. when we first tried that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank God. And, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was a really, I went to the jungle, uh, JOTC down in Panama. Um, and so I thought that that prepped me pretty good. And then I went to selection, which is the, you know, the course that we go through to see if you're qualified to even go through Green Bray training. And I wanted to be a medic. So I went to the 18 Delta course and you know how long that was. And then I went to, I was assigned to a unit in Germany, Charlie 1st Battalion, 10 Special Forces. And then, you know, so I've been in almost close to nine years and I was kind of, it was the Clinton army. It was 1997. And I thought, well, I kind of got to do some, I mean, I went to war technically and we'd done some cool J sets and, and some uh, Neos and Africa and stuff like that, which was, you know, kind of potentially combat jobs. But, yeah, um, you know, I was like, what are we, what am I going to do this for another 11, 12 years before I retire? And I thought, ah, I wasn't really feeling it. So I thought, what else did I like? Well, I really liked being in theater in college. So I went, I went back to New York City. I auditioned for all these acting schools and I got in. And so I, I got out of the army in the June of 97. And by August of 97, I was in the full-time uh, classical theater program at Circle in the Square Theater on Broadway. So that was a two-year program. And I worked all, I did all the whole bar scene. That's how I was making money, was doing all sorts of bar stuff. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden 9-11 goes down, right? So I'd been out for four and a half years, I guess. And yeah. Luckily, I trained a lot, stayed in shape, but I, I hadn't shot a gun in four and a half years. And it's New York uh, seriously, City. There aren't really It's New York City. There. We're not really allowed to have them. And it's just like, yeah, you know. And I thought to myself, what do I do? Do I go on auditions or get back in the fight? So it was kind of an easy thing. I, I didn't want to go active duty because I kind of thought maybe I can do both because I knew, you know, I, I went through all the training with guard guys. We laughed at them because we thought, you guys, are, you guys suck. You're not going to really do anything. I mean, and next thing I know, you know. Well, it's changed. Yeah. So then, you know, October 01, I'm back in the army and, uh, in alpha 219. And I was there from October 01 to October, uh, 2016. And during that time too, I, I was still living in, in the beginning, I was still living in Manhattan doing theater. 
and I moved out of the city. I, I got married. I know, dude. It's Shut up. Don't judge me, Nick. I, I'm sorry, man. This is what makes me so interesting. And then uh, I, my first big break was in like 08. I, got a, I hosted a show on History Channel called Warriors, and then I did Shark Week and <clears throat> a survival show called Dude, You're Screwed on Discovery. And the whole time I'm doing all this crap, I'm still you know, training and deploying as an SF guy. And then I became a team sergeant, meaning I was the senior rank and enlisted guy. And I was a team sergeant for like my last five years there. So, and now I host a show uh, on Outdoor Channel called Hollywood Weapons, which the fourth season premieres in a couple of weeks. Yes. Um, I teach diving uh, for a special operations charity called Task Force Dagger. And the great, last two great group. Great group, man. Any, anybody who's listening that's in our community and you want to get involved in this, please do. We, the last two summers we spent in Saipan. Uh, we're excavating a, a World War II, a Hellcat wreck that was shot down 75 years ago. It's been underwater for 75 years. We're going to bring him home, his remains home, using wounded vets. So that's a – I don't make money on that. That's a passionate thing. So That's awesome. So, hey, enough about how cool I am. I mean, well, that's a lot to unpack. First of all, everybody wants to know, and by everybody I mean me, <laughs> were you just not good enough to get – into the actor's studio. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really apply there. You James know, I, I, what's yeah. <laughs> I, it would be, it would be everybody actor's dream though to sit across from him and go, yeah. Yeah. Well, well you he know, just sits there. He, he, he's got a stack of note cards this high and he's got the most ridiculous accent. He's yeah. an American, by the way, I think he likes to pretend that he's British and no, he's not, he's not far. Yeah. He's an American guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I picked I picked Circle in the Square actually because it was a a classical theater school, and I thought I, I really I didn't want to go. Hey, dude, I want to be an actor and move to L.A. I, I wanted I was really interested in being a classically trained theater guy, and and it was a great program. And you know, I finished that in the end of '99, and so I had a couple years before you know the war kicked out, and I came back in. So it was a kind of a weird life. I will tell you though that. Uh, you know, the one thing about our community is we got guys with all sorts of crazy ass backgrounds. Oh and yeah. At first it seems completely not like it's not going to work. Like with the, with the, but I, there isn't a dude that's been on any team that hasn't been able to contribute something based on a thing they did outside of their life. Uh, I think and that's the guard and the guard guys, especially man with all these different weird careers. I mean, you're absolutely right. And the, the careers that people either came from before they came to SF or if you're in the guard, what you're currently working, um, it, it is fascinating. I went through training, and then the guy's at third group right now. Yeah, the, he was in he was in Manhattan too, and he was really? making bank working for Bear Stearns. Of course, wow! <laughs> yeah. And he saw the writing on the wall. Really? And he was like, "Uh oh, I better get out of Dodge." No so, shit. Yeah. So he enlisted oh. in the army, went to the 82nd. Yeah. Became a sniper, did the whole Solder City gambit. Yeah, man. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, then he went to selection, and I went through the Q course with him. He's a funny guy, but he's a Wharton grad. And yeah. He, but it, it just like, E6 Wharton grad who was the only one at Bear Stearns to be – you know, have the foresight and be intelligent enough to get out before the feds swooped in. That's unbelievable, dude. It's an incredible that's, story. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And there, there was a guy 
Uh, Andy Human is his name. If he's listening, his nickname was Face. He had a PhD in physics. We had we had guys that were just and you know another thing too. It's not even just special forces. People are always it, 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 it's funny, man. Some of the smartest guys I ever met were just in the infantry, and you know a lot of people slag on infantry guys and say, "Oh, a bunch of bunch of rocks." I I disagree. I think some of the smartest guys I've ever met and most interesting dudes I ever met and great problem solvers were were in in the army infantry because. I don't know. It's just, I, I picked that job. I wasn't an idiot. I mean, I'm an idiot, but I mean, like I wanted to do that. The, and the thing is too, everybody who goes there now, really, this isn't like Vietnam where you're drafted and next, you know, you're carrying a gun in Vietnam. You pick the job, you know? And so you sign up for what you know you're going to get into. I wanted to be a gunfighter. I wanted to eventually go into, into the green berets, but like that. So the guys who are there want to be there generally. It's not, you know, not everybody's a rocket scientist, but no, there's, there's not, there's not a lot of retarded people. No. In, and there in, are in infantry. And no, I, I, that's the nature of the job though. An infantry, right. you know, in the infantry, you have to know a lot, you know, a yeah. lot of, a lot of support jobs are pretty, I'm not ragging on anybody, but there's a lot of support jobs that are very, focused right well and and the thing is too there's not a a lot of times those kind of jobs while necessary good on you if that's your thing but the thing is with infantry is that you're constantly having to solve problems you know there's there's always stuff being put in your way to get in the way of what you got to do i don't even care if it's like crappy weather or a vehicle breaks down or you name it man something always goes wrong and something's never what it's supposed to be based on intelligence and, and the reconnaissance and you have to actually come up with a way to, you can't go, ah, this is not going to work. I, you know, I, we, we can't do it. You, you get it done. And so I think, anyway, I, I, that, I, that whole myth about infantry people being stupid is just absolute bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It is. It is. And when, like I said, I was an SF baby. So I went through, I went through Benning and I went through infantry OSIT and right. you go through right. with a bunch of, and they are kids, you know, I was, I was older. I, I went to college too, before I enlisted. And right, most, right, yeah, most, yeah. most of my buddies that I became close with were in the same boat. But I mean, you have 18, 19 year old kids who yeah. they didn't have to be putting up with this bullshit. They right. did, <laughs> but they wanted to. And so right. they, they'll always have my undying respect, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, it, is I, a, it is a shit job. It's a great job, but it's a shit job. It's the best job, but it's a shit job. And the other thing is, too, you hear all these people slagging on millennials and people younger. You guys call me a boomer, which I'm kind of on the cusp, dude. I'm like, right a year earlier, if I was born in 64, I'd be a boomer. So I'm close. Don't (sighs) shut up. But I mean, I, I think also when people say all these young kids, there's we're always gonna have studs. I I believe this in my heart. We're always gonna have studs that are that separate themselves from the crowd out there and will pick up the sword and go for it. I just I just think we will. We're always going to have that kind of sort of warrior class of guys that that want to be something a little bit different. And so, I hope so. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you're right. I mean, I've also I've talked to recruiters before that say that the and 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 S, I, one of my friends is an SF. Uh, he's an SF recruiting command. He hates it because it's no fun. But he even said some of that stuff's interesting. You're getting guys now with bad attitudes, maybe. And, and the, just the recruiting pool, from what I understand, guys coming in the army is like kids are like breaking their femurs under, under rucksacks because they're just not, a lot of them spend most of their, you know, formative years playing video games and not doing it. I mean, I played in the dirt all the time and I, you probably did too. And I was an athlete in, in high school and college. So I, I don't know, man. The point is there's always going to be people, I think, that will look, they'll do what you and I did and go, I, 
it's going to draw. You come to us, which is cool. You know, that's the thing. No one's going to, yeah. no one's going to, right? No one's going to reach out and grab you. And now you're this unwitting and, and, and you know, unsuspecting infantry guy. You, you, you actually come find us, you know? And, and yeah. then once you're in the army, you come find special forces. You come Absolute, find, absolutely. The guys come and find us are going to be, they already are a little bit different. They're motivated. They are motivated. This just came to me. I have a great idea. What is it? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to solve the SF recruiting commands problems right now using your own origin story. Here's how do you go figure? With me. Just I'm go listening. with me. I'm listening. I'm listening. You and I are going to get kitted up in that powerful aesthetic tiger stripe, and we're going to take black and white photos. Put them in all of the textbooks and inspire the next generation just as you were. <laughs> Except it worked for me. That's what Dude, I'm saying. Pictures, by the way, I've been out on, on, on I've done stuff uh, in the last few years too where I was wearing tiger stripes. There's pictures out there of me wearing tiger stripes. I know there is. And they're, it's the coolest uniform, man. It just goes back to a different time. It know, is. Like, Jamie, uh, can we pull up that photo of uh, Terry and Tiger Stripe? Oh, that's right. I don't have an assistant. I was just going to, by the way, I actually bit. I, I was like, this motherfucker does not have an assistant. <laughs> I was, you were actually, you almost surprised. Okay, I'm on to you now, Nick. I, well, hold on. God, you know, I don't want to call you a boomer, but if you didn't get the reference, that's a Joe Rogan experience reference. The Joe know. Rogan podcast? No. I don't watch it. No, I don't watch it. You should. It'll, oh, it'll, no, he's great. I mean, keep, I've seen. That'll I've keep seen, you young, though. I've seen tweaks of it. I've seen pieces of it, oh, yeah, yeah. but I haven't sat down and watched the whole thing. I think he's great. Joe Rogan's fantastic. Have you ever tried DMT? No. Is it good? I don't know. I don't know, but Joe loves it. He loves I, it. I, I need something, dude, because I kind of struggle with depression. So, I mean, like, I heard those things are good now. Like, even, like, uh, sort of uh, very controlled doses of, like, hallucinogenics, like LSD yeah, and like mushrooms. super low doses of LSD. Super low dose, not the, like, oh, my God, my face is melting, but this music is cool dose. Which yeah. Yeah by the way, but like ones where you can actually function and, and move along. I should look into that maybe. Yeah. I think Joe Rogan's great. And he's about my age. I think he's maybe a couple years younger than me, but he's, he's great, man. How can I oh like man. That? But yeah, he's got his assistant, Jamie, who just pulls up all the, all the, the stuff and he does right. all the things that I don't know how to do for a podcast. So I should probably, <laughs> I should probably, you know what? I'm just going to put it out uh, unpaid internship to run my podcast. Someone will do it, Nick. Someone will do it. Absolutely. To get exposed and talk to people like us? Come on. Uh, yeah, first off, some of your ruggedness is bound to rub off on them. Come on. Come on. Come on. I mean, look at you. You're smoking a pipe. I mean, that's like, some, that's like something that I wish I could do. But if I start smoking a pipe at 30, I'm just a weirdo. I started smoking a pipe when I was 18, but I didn't, you know, I didn't make it public. I was just like, I'm not smoking weed, actual tobacco pipes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Man. Good All because you. of Lord of the Rings, by the way. That's that's why. it. Gandalf, uh, more Aragorn. I think more Aragorn. It's funny about the Lord of the Rings. Someone was asking me about this the other day. I get called. I I, I read those books constantly. I I actually read them sometimes when I go to sleep because it'll just make it. I know them so well that I'll I'll just pick up and thumb and go. Oh, oh, I know where I am now. But I think it sounds really. I read a lot. I'm a big reader. I I don't like. I don't. I like having books and I've always read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy and stuff growing up and the Lord of the Rings, man, when I read that, I, it really changed. It, it was formative. It actually, the Rangers and the good versus evil and, you know, living in a, in a, in a harsh environment and fighting, you know, for a good cause. 
I'm not exaggerating when I say the Lord of the Rings was actually very formative in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it really has, it teaches you also that, you know, you do have to pick a side. You do have to pick a side and there, there's good and bad. There's good and evil. And you got to pick a side because no matter what, it's going to come. And also I thought you, when you, when you, when you actually step back from Lord of the Rings and you see all the different characters that at some point give something to it, that without that effort, the whole thing would have failed. And, and it's just, it's just a great book. I mean, it's, it's actually considered one book. Tolkien called it one book. It's in three books, but I'm a total Lord of the Rings nerd, dude. I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons. Not the computers up, the tabletop. On the tabletop? Dude, I'm looking for, if anybody's listening, I want to get a game going here in the Outer Banks or in Raleigh. Dude, I'm so, I love that shit. I grew you know up what? Playing. It's, you know, I, my current civilian job, current civilian job, I, I'm with a bunch of accountants. That's, that's the job I work. I'm not an accountant, but that's the job I work. Yeah, because I, I know you're not, right? No, yeah. I, I study political science and international relations, and I got, what we call it a concentration, which was, I was too lazy to get an additional minor. So the concentration was like a minor plus in professional. A shade. Writing. It was a shade. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just in a little flavor enhancer. Yeah. Um, but that's the job I work is, is basically when you boil it down, it's forensic accounting. And a lot of, I mean, most of those people are older, but the few young people, they're all into these tabletop games. Really? And I have desperately, desperately so want a friend at work, but they're not very socially yeah. mature. Like they're very inward. Yeah. And every time I try to interject myself into their lives to gain They just friends, shut down? They shut down. I'm like, hey, what do you guys do? What are you doing this weekend, man? He goes, oh, you know, we're going we're gonna to be playing some tabletop. And I'm like, dude, I've never played. I would love to play some tabletop. Do you guys drink? I'll bring some beer. They're like, uh, yeah, it's kind of a close knit group of friends. And really? They wouldn't. Yeah, and, then they, the, and then I'm the kid in the cafeteria that doesn't have a place to sit. That's fucked up, dude. Like I would think they'd be pretty excited to have you. Like, do they? Do they know? Obviously, they know what you did, or what they? They know what you do, right? They know your other side. They know I'm in the army. Do they? That's all they know. Do they know your special they, forces I don't, guy? Well. They're not super interested. Like I said, they're not super interested in anybody else's lives. Like my bosses know, obviously, what I. Well, they hired you. It's right, on my yeah. resume, you know. They but, hired you, yeah. Um, yeah, that's weird, man. That's really weird. I know. And that's is that, a, is that is that a, is that a, is that a I don't is that that's not a United States culture thing. Is that a, is that a culture for that kind of job? You think, or is it is it like? Are, are people kind of going that way where they're like a little more withdrawn in their own little thing? I don't know. I hope not because I would love, I would love a friend at work. I would. Damn, yeah. dude, that makes me sad, man. I know, you're, man. Cause I, you're a funny, you're a funny motherfucker. Like, I, just like I'd like to think that I'm a lot of fun. <laughs> like, listen, I'll bring the beer, man. You guys can teach me all about, all about your tabletop games. There's so much fun too. Like it, I having a bunch of really fun guys. I, dude, because I was a jock. I was two things in high school. I was a jock and a D&D nerd. Seriously, I was both. So, like, I was the really talented jock that wasn't getting laid because I was playing Dungeons and Dragons all weekend. <laughs> Seriously. So, like, but it was it, – it's so – but you know what? Think about this. I started getting into D&D, &D and I was reading Tolkien back, and I was, like, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade. As an eighth grader or young high schooler, I was reading books on, on medieval governments, on Greek mythology. All because all these sort of things kind of come into the D&D &D world. So, like, 
I was reading things on philosophy and a lot of historical stuff. And of course, when you read and you have to communicate, not via t typing, but talk to people and lay the story out and you role play the different things. I mean, it's actually really useful because I, I thought my developed my vocabulary. I think it helps you communicate. I mean, I really can't say enough good things about that. If you get the right people, I cannot believe you have not been invited, dude. You'd be perfect. I wish, I wish my coworkers had learned all of those valuable life lessons that you had learned playing D and D. Yeah, yeah, Man. maybe, yeah, yeah. Because it also does it. Sometimes it attracts people like that, but like it turned me into an idiot like this. So it's I'm, like you could, I, I guess, guess I'm just go gonna with... have to like learn the game on my own mm. and enter like tournaments and build clout and become like a major player. In the competitive it's, but it's not, but that's world not, but, of Dungeons but it's and Dragons. Not really, but it's not really like that. If it is like that, then it's the wrong thing. It's not the right way. Ah. It's not supposed to be that. It's really, So really you're telling fun. me I cannot become the bad boy of the D&D world? No, I think you could. And if anybody could, Nick, I think you could do this. I have to say you could be, you could be the bad boy of the D&D world. Like, yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm rolling like a 20 sided like, dice, like motherfucker. Duster. Like, I could get, like, wear a duster with, like, studs, like a studded duster. Yeah, man. Big That's arm, my... big arm, big arm bracers. Yes, like, le like just leather. And it has... I actually have some, but somewhere yes. around here. Yeah. Oh, man. I would imagine. That's, dude, that's, a bo that's such a bummer that you, I know. That, that, at work, like, you know, because, I, I... you know, think about this, too. That's, that's an interesting thing, because you and I talked about this the other day. What I miss the most, I mean, I've been out, uh, I've been out for three years, right? October, 2016, I got out. And what I miss more than anything is not the cool shit we did. Cause we do a lot of, we do, we do a lot of cool stuff. We do a lot of stupid shit because it is the army. But what I miss is the guys. I, those guys are such good. I can't tell people, I have a hard time conveying to people how great, how the whole thing centers around the team. And it's not that everybody loves each other all the time. Cause guys get on each other's nerves and, that it, that's normal, but holy crap, the the funniest, best moments were, were you know would go would go on when like we're, we're, when we're suffering the most. And I thought that's what I missed the most, not being in the army, is not being in special forces. Is I don't my body's really hurt. I got a lot of injuries and stuff like that. And but I look, dude, I'm lucky. We got we got friends who don't have legs, and yeah, we got guys, we got guys who never came back. So I'm not complaining at all. Please don't get that. But I what I missed the most though is. I missed the, I missed the, I missed, I missed the love. I missed the, I missed the friendship and the camaraderie and the family. Cause we really are a family. It's weird that like, I, mean, I think, you know, going back to your point in the kind of civilian world you live in, it's, I guess it's kind of hard maybe to, to get that in a lot of those jobs for one reason, there's no life or death stressors, right? No. What, 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 you know, when you and I go into the team room, what job can replace the idea that when you walk into your office, the team room, Everybody in there will fucking kill for you. Everybody. Yeah. And of course, everybody expects you to kill for them. And the everybody in that room will die for you. And yeah. everybody in that room expects you to die for them. There is no good luck finding that in any civilian job. Even a professional athlete, football players don't have to die for each no. other. You know, so, I mean, it's close because it's, it's a lot of physical bonding and a lot of, but like combat it's i mean it's the that that glues you together it it's does awesome actually I, and i miss that i miss that every day i miss it every day it, it, that is tough it because you you don't find that anywhere else even in even in, even in a part-time even in a part-time team i'm uncle nick to yeah. all all the kid all their all my teammates kids that's you awesome know? yeah I, it's, it's awesome I, i'm over there for 
birthdays and barbecues and yep. yeah, that it, it's, it is a family. And with the family, a- you have issues. People, oh, yeah. don't, it's not don't like your friends. Wrong, you you yeah. get to choose your friends, right? They say you get to choose your friends. You don't get to choose your family. It's the same way in a team. Yeah. You're assigned yeah, that's to true. team. That's good. That's true. That's true. And yeah. if, if, the, if team daddy likes you, you stay. And if he doesn't, your shit's out in the hallway. But um, that – Well, the so, person there's always going to be personality conflict. Um, and, you know, some guys just don't – but, you know, the other thing uh, is that you can't – as far as performance goes – you can't hide on a team, right? You you can't hide on a team. So there's no gray man on the team. You, you, there's there's not. You can you can hide. You can hide through selection. You can hide through the Q course. Although I think the instructors, by and large, do a pretty good job of of, of seeing that because they're they they all come from teams, so they kind of but they have a, a lot to deal with. So you can't have a guy slip through. We've all met them, and it, who shouldn't be there. It's not that he's not skilled or a good. He just he shouldn't be on the team. Uh, but you can't, once you get on a team, you can't hide on a team. You cannot hide on a team. So like, and that's the same way I've heard, you know, you know, high level, uh, you know, combat athletes, you know, that you can't hide on the mat. You can't hide in the ring. Uh, you can hide everywhere else. But when you're on a team, you, you know, pretty quickly if the dude is the right guy or not, if he cares more about the team than he cares about himself. And we, if you ever have guys like that on a team that are selfish and are kind of cancers and they'll get, they don't last very long. They'll go, no. they'll go somewhere else. We'll send them up to the B team or they'll send them. They just won't be around because we just don't have time. Right. We, we actually have let, we have very little, we're very forgiving guys. If you fuck up on a team, we're very forgiving. What we don't have, I think what we're very not tolerant of, are guys that are that that lie to you and also just don't pull their weight and just think it's okay. Yeah, I mean because our our business is a serious one. It's it's going to war and oftentimes it's going to war without a whole lot of support. So who do you rely on? Right. Your well, 11 best friends beside you. Well, and you know it kind of brings the point uh you and I sort of chatted about this when it was going on and We'll touch it quickly, I guess. You know, you know the thing with the, the pardon of Matt Goldstein. You know, I, I I never knew Matt, but guys who were in my unit worked worked with him and, and could not say enough good things about him. They loved him. They said he was a great guy, and you know he's he did what I think he did what he had to do. He made mistakes. He told he told the CIA when he was applying that's a bad idea, and he talked about it. But it was interesting when when Trump. But you know what though, when Trump pardoned him, there were guys from our community that were just flaming him and I thought that's weird because you know and one guy was saying something like you know his tab was revoked by the regiment and yeah you're right that's true but my loyalty isn't really to the regiment is this nebulous thing up here everything that that keeps me alive and is this little 12-man team right here and so I don't think I don't think it's tough talk and it's not because I'm not a tough guy I'm kind of a wuss but I think it's I really say this if you're not willing to cut somebody's throat to protect the team, to save the team, then you're, you're not in the right line of work. You're really not. And it's, that's, that's a really, it's, it's, I'm not saying that in a chest thumping way. I think it's, I mean, right. I mean, I feel like, I feel like that. And what what happened with Goldstein was he did what he, what he had to do. I guarantee all the guys on his team are, 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 I, I would be surprised if any of them disagreed with that. And so a lot of these guys that are saying, you know, screw him, he should be fucked. I dare you to go into a team room and say that because I, I maybe I'm wrong. I mean, but I just don't think that will fly. I don't think it'll fly. It's the it's the reality of war, though. It's the reality of combat. It, there's nothing else in there's nothing else in life that that's comparable. 
So nope. all nope. everybody that's on the outside looking at a situation like that, they have nothing. They have they have no reference in which to frame the information that they've just been given. And well, those, and those people, I don't can, I don't, I don't really care. I don't care what they think. I really don't give a shit. I was, I was just surprised at some of the really backlash from, from people in the military community. And again, I don't know everything about it. I can't, I, I can't say that, but the guys who I respect, who I've relied on and, and to keep me alive said nothing but good things about him. And it, we're weird like that in special forces. We're very clannish. You know, like if a team is a very insulated thing, and just like the groups will talk shit about the groups, but within the group, a battalion will talk shit about a battalion, a company will talk shit about that. Teams will talk teams, shit about teams. Absolutely. All the time. It's all, we're very clannish, right? It, it goes in these concentric circles. And the, the most unimportant circle to me is the regiment. I don't, I don't even know those people. I don't, I don't, maybe I knew them in the past, but like they're not the ones that are on the life and death situation and on the ground in front of me right then. So. I don't know. That was kind of, that kind of bothered me. And, you know, the woke stuff, which, you know, there's a green Bray Twitters. You got, it's so much fun being on Twitter with you guys, like you and red. And by the way, your interview with red was fantastic. I, I want to talk. Thank about you. This. Thank you. I want to. He, no, yeah, really, he was really, he was really easy to interview though. Plus he, well, he's, he's, he's I've, I've talked to him before and, and he's, and he's such, a, he's also like the rarest of the rare, like that. Yeah. That's a, if, if officers were stakes, he's a Pittsburgh rare. Like yeah. that thing has only been on the griddle for about 12 seconds on each side and it's off. Yeah. Like that's how unusual he gets it. He, he really he gets, gets it. it. He gets it. And I can't yes. imagine that guy going anywhere and not being really loved and respected. Cause you can just tell he knows what he's doing and he's tough. You know, he's a dive guy. And, but he also, he understands the, he understands how the whole team thing works and guys like that. Again, we'll, 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 We'll go to hell for you. You know, guys like that are great. But the woke dudes, here's what bothers me about the woke vets, which we, we all kind of go on that. And there's oh, guys man. in our community who are kind of little wokey these days. Yeah. And that's fine. So here's what I say about that. If you, you may have been a liberal or a left-wing guy before you came into special forces or the art. I'm, by the way, the regular military, I don't want to, I, I can't talk about them because that, I, I'm going to be probably hung for this. But that's more of a normal job than what we do. Like, you like. I would agree. I'm talking, and, and they and they would admit that. Like, it, the, I'm talking about the combat military guys who like sign up to go. We're going to get in a fight. Your infantry guys, armor, you know, artillery, uh, you know, SF guys, guys on the ground that are going to be looking at somebody. Okay, so that's a that's the different military. If you're if you were a left wing person before you got into that line of work, that's fine. If you were a left wing person during that, that's fine. And you can be a left-wing person now, but what you can't look me in the eye and tell me is that those left-wing principles were used to operate that kind of unit in a combat situation. So that's the thing that bothers me. It's, I don't care if you even were a lefty in the infantry. I guarantee a platoon is not run according to those principles. It cannot be because combat, we've just acknowledged, combat is the, is the most stark of realities. And that's not, again, chest thumbing. It just, trust me, it really is. There's no... You can't color it with, oh, I don't believe that. I don't think that. It, it is what it is. No. And right? so – And I told, I told you before. Right. Distilled human history, 40,000 years of human history, 99.9999% of it was combat. It's combat. It was. And it was. And it really, that's, if, it, if that's it not is a stark reality mm -hmm. of, of what it takes to, sur one, survive. Right. And, 
you know, evolve and, and thrive be, and, and thrive. thrive and become this incredible world that we've created for ourselves. But and the combat sometimes, it? And the, right. And the combat isn't even necessarily, yeah, you're totally right. And the combat isn't even necessarily being a man versus man. It's really kind of you versus nature. My, it is. The way I look at nature is nature's there for one reason. That's to fucking kill you. It will, that's all it's there for. It's, it's impassionate. It doesn't care. It's not beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's also cruel and doesn't give a shit. So like the left wing guys that are kind of coming out, it's okay. Like I really, if you're listening to this and you're a left-wing person, that's cool. I, I really don't mind. But you can, you're not going to be able to look me in the eye and tell me that those left-wing, politically correct, uh, emotionally driven sort of, this is how I wish the world should be stuff. It is not, you cannot run a combat unit like that. Which, and combat, we agree, is the starkest of realities. Hence, left-wing principles are not really grounded in reality. They work in a certain contained uh, environment but if you actually take all the, the controls away and all the constructs away, there's only this. There's only black and white death and combat. And so the woke guys that are come from combat, they, they bother me the most because it's like, dude, you, you wouldn't say that when you were in the infantry. You wouldn't, you wouldn't run a team like that. It's okay that you're like that now. It really is. I don't care. It's all good. But the, the left-wing guys that are like, you know, Dude, you didn't talk like that when you were in. You might have felt that way. That's fine. But you didn't run a platoon like that. You didn't run a team like that. There's no way. Because you, you can't. You, no. It, it's because when, when we look at those left-wing principles, and they are, it's, they're nice thoughts. Respect. You know, impassioned defense of the, the weakest and the lowliest. And this empathy. I'm all about that. That's great. That's great, but it doesn't work in Syria. It doesn't work fighting ISIS. It doesn't work trying to make a deal with what we called sand pirates because that's what they were. They, had, yeah. they didn't have ships. They had minivans, and they were running guns and drugs and humans. And, and humans. And the only, the only thing that they understood was the threat of violence or cold hard cash. You can't. Yep. You cannot bring those principles into situations like that. You are absolutely correct. And if you run a team that way, that ODA is either one going to get super, super fucked up. Yeah, in, in the form of dead guys. They won't get out the door. Or they're going to be pulled out of country because they were just not being effective in their area of responsibility. And and, guy, and guys, and I'll just stand don't... by that. Yeah, guys in our world don't think that way. They really no. don't think. You put it this way: I don't care what you think. Guys in our, in our world can't act like that. You no. can't on a team. You're not going to promote somebody because he's black. You're going to promote somebody because he's good. And because of that, we have another thing too. I don't know. I, I'm curious on your take on this. So you know, I do, I'm kind of I'm dealer's cable service. So I do shows and stuff like that. So I'm worth a different crowd, but they're all actually they're pretty cool. They know kind of I'm a little bit salty. But, you know, I've told people before, if you stepped into a team room, you would think we are all the biggest dicks, like the biggest racists, the biggest homophobes, the biggest, like the worst people ever. But we're really not because we mock each other, vote, I mean, just incessantly. And we, we cut, 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 cut because we love each other. See, yeah. political correctness is a construct. So in our world, there is no such thing. So we can call each other things. We can say things to each other that seem that would be completely beyond the pale in the civilian world. But in our world, 
It's totally okay. It's and and, and, and you, you'll get it right back. You know, if you do it, you'll get it right back. You can't be that way in your job, can you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. If, if women want to join the Special Forces Regiment, they better be prepared for when they walk in that team room and the things that they hear. It it's, is go- it's going to be shocking to them. But maybe it won't. But I mean, like that, it depends on, but I think, yeah, I think it will. Even in the infantry, like I can't imagine. I don't know how it, just, it works because I haven't talked to an infantryman that has a female in the unit. I know there that's are. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't either. And I, and I, and I've, I, we've, this was a big topic a few years ago. I, I mean, I was, you know, they always bring you in on like Fox and shit to talk about what's going on. And I, I said, look, man, I go, there's, there are women out there. I've met them. There are women who can physically do what we do. Not that many. Just because you're no. good at CrossFit doesn't mean you can do what we do because the sheer carrying a hundred pound, it just the, the physical stuff we do is not a gym thing. Uh, but there are women who could do it. There are a, a small amount who could do it. Not very yeah. many. But, but my other thing is, the problem is you're dealing with a bunch of really, really high testosterone guys. And in order, that person would have to be very special to fit in. And I'm not saying they couldn't, but also let's not kid each other. Men and women like to have sex. And so that stuff, when you, when you and, and the same thing when, when, when the whole gay thing was in the 90s, I think, I think there's been some guys that, I, that, uh, that I've been with over time that, that might have been gay, but you never, it was never even an issue because no one talked about it and really nobody cared. As soon as you start introducing sexuality as a thing, like, like this is a thing, I'm a woman, you're a man, da, 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 or you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a gay man, you're, you, you, when that gets introduced, it, can, it will fragment everything because it just turns... It should that it has no it has no place in the combat world. And again, I'm old school. Maybe society it will change. Blame it on men. I just don't think men could make the adjustment and not be able to look dispassionately and without any kind of feeling towards a woman, even if she's like big and strong and and all that. I just think that kind of shit just gets involved. It, and experience in, in reg, regular units bears this out with all sorts of like you know fraternization and stuff like that. It becomes. Now the unit's spending time dealing with that. We don't really have time to deal with that. When you're, when we you're don't have time a, to already do the shit that we need to do. We don't have enough time anyway. We, we're not going to have a, a, a separate bathroom for you or a separate shower. Stall. It's just not going to happen. That's what's great about SF. We get to hang out with hot naked guys all the time. All the time. And guess what? We're just going to dig that slit trench, and you're just going to – you're squatting over it with you <laughs> and your best buddy. Hey, it is you, what it is. If you want some I extra mean, stability, just reach out. You guys maybe, can hold on I mean, to each other. Maybe society will change, but I think that I think that could be – I don't know. I just see problems with that because, again, the people pushing it, I don't think, in general, have our best interests at heart. I just don't really think they do, and so that's why I'm very suspicious of well, I don't think the, I don't think the military should ever be used as a Petri dish and as a barometer for – social change and social justice or whatever you want to call it, you know, progress. There are other, there are other organizations that you can, that can do that. But the, the business of the military is far too vital to dick around. It it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's 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 not the place. No, because that's ODA preparing to go to war is not the unit that you should be introducing a female to say, I wonder how this will work out. Right. That's, and because, 
because it is like it or not, it is what it is. Blame us, but it, it's a distraction. And I think there's enough stuff to occupy your attention than sexual politics. And I just, I don't know, man, we'll talk about something else, but this is something I, and again, like the, the people who I see really pushing this, I don't know, man. I just don't think, I, I think most of them don't have our best interests at heart. Maybe some of them do. I think some of them are coming it from, Hey, this is better for us and all that. I, my, my real world experience would say that's not the case. That's I, don't, fair. I don't know. I might be right. I might be wrong. Who am I? I'm already old. Anyway, I'm running out of runway, Nick. I mean, I only got a couple years left, so. Doesn't all matter. right. I'm calling doesn't the matter. concrete company. We're expanding that runway. Very nice of you. Very nice. Yeah, of you. I got you. Don't worry. I'll get you, I'll get you on a program in the gym. Everybody knows that you are soft and flabby and there's totally not there's totally not a photo of you on the internet wearing James Bond style swim trunks <laughs> and you starfishing on the back that's, of some boat. Everybody that's knows right. that's all Photoshop and that's it's, no, no, that's all fake. No, that was real. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's that's the other thing, man. Like, all right, you're not a boomer. You're 54. Mm -hmm. Or you just turned or I just turned 54 just last turned, week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. But you stay hard to kill. Yeah, I mean, try to. Yeah, try. I mean, to. that's yeah. but that's it. You're 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 still rolling, right? You're rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I do you're, that you're, and you're, I hard. You're saying hard to kill. Why is that so hard nowadays? You don't see you don't see this anymore. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. I don't, I don't know why it's hard. Well, again, it's a, a societal thing, maybe. If, if you don't feel like – and again, I, I don't long for the bad old days when people died when they were age 40 and, and typhus would come and wipe out a family. <laughs> I do. I want off this ride, baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I want mean, off. That, 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 is, that, is, that is kind of a great equal. I mean, you think about the way people used to just live, how just harder they were mentally and physically. I think – you know, when you, when you, when you, I was in the game for a long time. And so you, you had to, there were guys I saw that, that would let themselves go. And they, that was, not, and, and they, you're not respected for that. Like you have to, I used to tell guys too, it's not what you were, it's what you are. So it doesn't matter if I was the baddest motherfucker five years ago, what am I right now? Am I, am I out of shape? Am I soft? Am I a potential liability? And then when you become a leader, you become a team sergeant, well then dude, you, you, you can't get fat. You can't get out of shape. You know, I have to, if I don't beat these guys, I have to either come equal to them or come or, or be chasing right behind right them. Right there, yeah. I got to be right there. Yeah, I can't be. And so it was a lot of, peer pressure is a good thing. So peer pressure is, peer pressure gets a, gets a bad rap. But in our world, peer pressure is good because you look to the left and right and you're like, okay, I don't want to be the last guy on this run. Yeah. I don't want to be, right? I don't want to be the guy who can't carry this when I'm supposed to carry it. So peer pressure is, is, a, is a hugely uh, important driving force in, in our world. And I just think once you become, I try to always stay, I, I mean, I, when I had that break between active duty and the guard, you know, I still trained, I did martial arts and stuff like that. I stayed, I stayed, I stayed in shape physically, even though I wasn't doing, you know, cool guy army stuff. I just, it, once it becomes a lifestyle, it helps. I think it's harder for people who never were there to get into it. So I actually respect people a lot who are never really particularly fit or athletic and find it later in their life to do that because that's a hard, it's much easier to get out of shape than it is to, I mean, it's much easier to get into shape and it's easy to get out of shape than it is to get there. So the best thing is to try not to let it slip too much. I go through periods like probably every guy's like, there's sometimes I don't care as much. I'm not training as much or I, I don't really care. So, you know, 
you're not as ripped, but like, then you're like, then I just catch myself and go, oh, dude, okay, I guess I got to stop eating bread for a couple of days. <laughs> so it's a little stupid shit oh. like that, but it is. And also it's vanity too. Like you, I also think it's important. <clears throat> and again, this is the, this is maybe the, the mentality that guys like us have. I always want somebody, I'm always sizing people up when I'm out somewhere. Not in a paranoid way, but I mean, I did that even when I was working in the bars while I was in the army. I always sized guys up objectively like, could this guy give me a problem, right? Is this guy, does this guy look like, does he carry himself like he knows that he, like, like he's tough? And by the way, never underestimate anybody, never underestimate because they're small or whatever. Sometimes you can just tell by looking at a guy's eyes. My point is, <clears throat> I think I always want to be, I always want to, I don't care, I'm 54 now, you know, when I'm 64, I want some young punk to go, I probably don't want to fuck with that guy. You know, like, I'm, like there's other people I could fuck with. Like, I don't want to fuck with that guy because I think, again, if you portray that, it's just, it's just better off, man. Like, if you actually, because it just comes from inside. When you can handle yourself, people can look at you. That doesn't mean someone's not going to do it. It doesn't mean someone's going to do it. No, but it might, give them, it might give them a moment for pause. Right. And, then, and sometimes that's all you need. So I think you do. And it's kind of your responsibility. You know, like I, I don't have children or anything, but like, you know, it's kind of to the people around you, you may be the one that is the defender. And so I think there's a lot of people walking around right now in, in, in our society that really have no idea, no idea how to defend themselves, no idea what it's like to get punched in the face no idea to suffer real physical deprivation like food and water and and comfort and sleep and i think i don't know man again i'm not trying to say battle days but i think that's another thing the army gives us is it gives you a place where you've been beaten so badly that you know when you come back again you first of all you appreciate it but you also you're just a lot tougher for it and people yeah. can see that and i think a lot of guys now i i, I notice a lot of people that are pretty soft and i also know a lot of people who are never in the military that could totally whip my ass and uh, so it, it has, it doesn't have to be a military thing. It's just, there's a certain way of looking at the world where it's like, I kind of always got to be ready. Cause when I'm not ready is when I'm going to get caught. You know? Man, you really need to be like running a boot camp or something. <laughs> I'm still bummed out though. I'm still bummed out that you need a friend at work. That hurts me. I listen, man, like that hurts. That really bothers me, dude. Does I've anybody... never, never in my life have I ever had a problem making friends. Never. No, dude, that's your, that's the least of no, your problems. And that's, and that's, and that's a huge, that is a huge must have personality trait in SF too. You have yes. to be able to make your job. You got to play well with, make, you got to play well with others. Yes. And you have to make friends. And you might have to make friends with somebody that you're like, I don't want to be this guy's friend. I don't like this I guy. I don't like this guy, but I'm going to have to be his friend. I have to be Ahmed's friend. You're totally right. You're totally right. But that's the thing. I've never had an issue with this until this job. God damn and it, dude. It's just, oh, it's, it's bad, man. I say I work with an office full of, I'd say the majority of the people I work with are in their 60s. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And yeah. Like all the people my age, they're in the department beneath, and I'm not about that life. And so I say I work with a bunch. I I work with a bunch of of women that remind me of my great aunt. And Is that it's, right? It's, That's funny. it's uncanny. And then That's a few funny. young people in there, I just have no connection. It's do you think no, any of them are are any of them going to be watching this? Do I even know you? Have no, this? no, no. They don't. They, they couldn't even have me over for a D and D night, Terry. They're not going to dig into my online life. 
Absolutely. So that's absolutely fucking sad, man. Unless God, I hope they see this. And they feel bad. You know what? If they're listening, I, I hope, hope they, they feel, feel bad. bad. I hope yeah. like this, 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 this Nick guy sounds like a, he's a, he's having like a, he's having like a really nice character. We should probably invite him over for D and he's going to bring the beer. Could I say something about the whole G thing and being friends with someone you don't like? That's another thing. Since we, you and I have talked politics quite a bit, the whole never Trump thing. I'm going to swing back to this. Please do. This is what the running doing. dialogue. It's a running dialogue. It's, it's, it's just a, it's not an interview. It's a conversation. So Absolutely. the thing is that, right. Uh, I, I get, you know, look, let's talk about Trump. I, I'm from New York, so I know who he is. Okay. So that's another thing. So, I know exactly the kind of guy he is. He is a ruthless, thin-skinned, ego-driven business guy. I, I know who he is. He doesn't really matter, right? He's going to be gone in a year or, or another five, probably five. Um, but my thing is, if you're, not, if you're a left-wing person, then of course, you, you, there's no way you, would, you want him as a president and you got to get him gone. I get it. I, 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 that's, that's fine. But the people who are the constant never-Trumpers, and we have guys like that in our community who are constantly – that's, I mean, like, they're, they're mad all the time about that. Like, I'm enjoying the creative destruction that Trump is doing to these establishments. It's fun. It, it's new. It's fun. Like, it's, it's actually new. Fun. It's new and it's different and it hasn't happened before. And the other thing is, too, I look at Trump, <clears throat> if you're a conservative, meaning, and here's the conservative definition. So for me, is a conservative is someone who's, who's, who wants to run the country in accordance with the Constitution, meaning a small, a small federal government, right? So minimum government, maximum individual freedom. I, I'd like a strong, discrete border that we can control and figure out who's coming in. I do want a strong national defense because there's wolves everywhere. I, I, want, a, I want a strong, you know, sort of free trade, a free trade, a capitalist economy. And I just, I just want people to leave me the fuck alone, right? I want to be able to make decisions. That's a conservative, right? So if you're a conservative, but you're a never Trumper, I don't understand why you that mad at him all the time. Like it, and cause I liken, I liken Donald Trump to a G chief. So one of our things is we work downrange with, if people don't know, we work and we, and during the course, we, they're called guerrilla chiefs, right? We, the guerrillas, but you know, when you're in Iraq or Afghanistan, not necessarily guerrillas, but you're working with local guys and our job, like I've worked with guys overseas that I knew were bad people, right? You could tell by looking at these cats, I called them the reptiles. They had that look in their face. Like these people have probably raped people. They've probably killed kids. And they wouldn't, they're not going to break a sweat. We've had to work with them and get stuff out of them. So my job on a Green Beret A team is not to clutch my pearls and go, I can't work with this guy. He's a fucking killer. He's bad. He's, oh my God, he's, oh, he's bright. He doesn't pay attention to any norms. He's just so bad. He's gross. He's a liar. He's a, he's full of crap. I, I don't, I can't do that. My job is to get what I can out of him in accordance with foreign policy directives from the government. So if you're a conservative, you could actually, I look at Trump as the guerrilla chief. We're like, look, I don't have to like him. I don't have to even trust him. I don't have to care about him at all. But I do, I need to be able to advise, cajole, threaten. I need to steer him in the way I want him to go. And if he goes that way without any of those things, then I'm just kind of let him go. That's good. And I keep him in his lane, right? So like my only problem with Trump I'll ever have is if he tries to do something unconstitutional which President Obama did multiple times. The Affordable Care Act was unconstitutional. DACA was unconstitutional. You know, you know withholding using, documents on- Using right? the IRS to target political- <coughs> Using the IRS, on. right? Right. So what I'm saying is I don't understand, I can understand a never Trumpers 
not digging Trump and, and, and think he's a shitty person, but take a deep breath, enjoy the creative destruction of all these people who've gotten over on us for all this time and just watch him in his lane. If he starts drifting, you put him back in. As long as he stays within the constitution, I don't care if he's a carnival barker. Like I don't really care. And it's actually really entertaining to see people lose their collective shit over this guy. I tweeted something the other day. We joke on Twitter. I, I tweeted something like, hey, um, you know, I, I soldiered on under Obama for eight years, you know, even though I didn't vote for him. Um, I didn't cry in the street. I didn't throw rocks. I, I didn't call him illegitimate. I didn't tell uh, the country, half the country, that they should die. And I didn't tell my friends to go to hell. I behaved like an adult citizen in a federal republic. Try it. And, and most people are like, dude, that's awesome. There are some people going, oh, there's some people who went back through all my tweets over the years and said, oh, you could, I said, and I, I only responded to one of them. I said, um, listen, criticize the president, mock him, make fun, please do. Lose your collective shit like you're doing. No, we didn't do that under, under him. So I, what I would say to the never Trump people is one, take a deep breath, man. It's going to change. And, and it's, you know, the other thing when, when we, when Obama beat us, we weren't calling for, you know, let's get a, rid of the electoral college. Let's, let's just destroy no. everything. I mean, this well, is- some people did. But those are the loonies of the right. And we're like, mm. Mm, no, hold on there. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't turn it into a, a party platform. We didn't no, say, and the, and party, the beauty of- we're going to spend every single day from here on out to try and remove him from office. No, we, no, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do first that. First off. That's that's a big thing. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't vote for him. I served under him. I kept my mouth shut. I didn't Me, do exactly anything. Right. I didn't do anything stupid. And at the end of the day, he's still the commander in chief. I didn't put I didn't put hashtag resist in my bio no, because I'm not a no. fucking child. And and that's the other thing. Like life moved on. I right. continue to live my life. Some people have just it has consumed them. It really it, has. It's consumed them. He is, as you said, he is a thin-skinned, egomaniacal politician. Right. He should not matter in your life. He really shouldn't. He's a carnival barker. I know exactly what he is. But as long as he gives me the things I want. I like carnivals, though. It's going to be fun. And and by the way, and carnivals are fun. Like, his (laughs) his epic troll, I mean, he's such... He's like an eighth grader, but it's so brilliant because it's also exposed... It's also exposed forces in the country that smart people knew were where they were and how they were allied. But for a lot of people who weren't hip to this, he's really shown in stark contrast how fucked up the media is, how, how really left-wing they are. And I would take them more seriously in their critique of Trump if they hadn't filleted President Obama for eight years. You know, so you don't get to, Non-stop, you, don't, no. you don't do that for eight years and then come in here and go, I stand, no, you're not because you're full of crap. And, and, and we had, there are people who I've talked to them. I'm like, listen, I get it. You're a left-wing person. Does it bother you that, that the IRS did what it did? Well, yeah, Wait, it, it shouldn't matter what side you're on. If the IRS can do that to anybody, they'll do it to you. And if you're cool with the FBI and the CIA, and the D- Department of Justice doing the shit they've been doing the last few years, we really have no conversation to talk about. Listen, like, I, like, I can't take you seriously if that doesn't bother you because one, Trump sucks. The one thing that he has done, and I think we should all be grateful for, is he has exposed how powerful the bureaucracy is. Like, That's I'm, well I'm a, said, I'm a, dude. I have, I'm a political, I, I was a political science student. You right. learn 
freshman year political science, you have the executive, you have the legislature, and you had the judiciary. There's a fourth branch of government, the bureaucracy, and they are yeah. the most powerful branch of government. You learn yeah. that. I learned that from a super hippie. I mean, I haven't seen the professor in years, but I could never imagine him like totally like losing his mind over the political process of America. But there's no way he'd be like, I'm voting for Donald Trump. But like he was, he himself was like back in 2008. Wow. This is a weird development <coughs> in the American Republic. Like we have this unelected fourth branch of government. That's what it is. It's and unelected. These, and these are just career bureaucrats and they wield an ungodly amount of power. And it's weird. It's weird. It's, like it's it, weird. It's not, it's not the way it's supposed to be. And it really is anybody of good faith that wants to stay free should not be cool with that. I mean, it's funny because the left used to always be the ones who questioned understandably. So the man, yeah. and now they kind of are the man. And when, when you see how are these, how are the, these really Democrats, how are they cool with what the FBI did? Take Trump out of the equation, take him out. For whatever, however you hate about him, that's fine. You, if you can look me in the eye and tell me what the FBI just just got caught doing, seventeen things that they broke. Sure, we can't prove their intent, but it doesn't matter. We do know the intent. We do we, know the intent. We know they just like. And by the way, it was the same thing they did when Comey came out a couple of years ago. I, I was I live at the beach. I came in to watch Comey's test of, uh, testimony because I thought, oh, let's see how this goes because. And it started off where he was like, the things he was naming, I was like, oh, crap, dude. If I did any of that. Oh, with, uh, with the Hillary thing. With Hillary. He laying out the, it's, it's, it's the same thing I was, we're seeing. Yeah, I was listening. I was like, oh, my God. <coughs> they're going to do it. They're, they're going to nail her against the wall. And then he stops. And then he stops at the end. He goes, but we really couldn't find any proof of intent. And it's the same thing we see now with, with what's going on with the FBI. They can't prove the intent. Well, okay. If I'm driving 75 miles an hour in a 55 mile hour zone and the cop pulls me over and he goes, Hey son, uh, do you know, it's 55 miles an hour. I go, uh, no, I didn't. He goes, well, you're doing 75. Well, that's not what I intended to do. Okay. You're free to go. <coughs> I mean, so, so when, when Comey said, I can't prove intent for things that this woman did that if you and I did them, we'd lose our security clearance. We'd probably go to Leavenworth and she walked away. And now the FBI did things that are clearly, clearly, sketchy and outside the pale multiple and multiple 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 times and by none of those mistakes ever went in trump's favor right they all went in one direction yeah 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 okay so there's no intent but my point is how could you be cool with that any citizen of a free because republic they, not they're, be cool. they're not because they're gonna say well this is all they, they, they view it through the through the lens of the trump presidency and then they go well then trump's saying you know all these people are they're they're good public servants and they serve the country and that's true like I'm, I, your average FBI field agent is not wrapped up in what happened with the. No, DNA. they're on. They're just doing. They're just doing their thing. They're doing yeah. their. They're doing their job. Yeah. But if you were in any sort of position of power with the Federal Bureau of Investigation over the last couple of years, holy shit! Oh my god, like, dude! Like, first off, like you're that's, that's an embarrassment to to the agency like the, the fbi so was, is, was supposed to be like the premier law enforcement agency that was yeah. totally above and that was the idea like the bureau would be above politics they're the g-men dude they're the, the G good guys exactly top men men Terry. 
top, top men. men. Yeah, the damage that, that that these guys have done, whether they whether they want to admit it now or not, is is really significant. And the no, same with what Brennan did. And same with what Brennan did. What he did to the IC, yeah. And honestly, I mean, and then because guys like you and I, like we respect it. Like we growing up, oh the G men, like those guys were badass. Like, yeah. These are the guys that hunted down gangsters and and. and I'll tell you a quick story about the FBI, though. And this is go, funny. This please. Is, but, so when, when the war kicked off and I was think and I want, I wanted to get back in right some way. I was like, so I was like, okay. Then I thought, well, you know, dude, I have a degree. I speak a couple languages. I was a paramedic, blah, blah, blah. I was in the SIF. I was da, da, da. I did all, I'm, I applied to the FBI, right? I thought, you know, I applied to the FBI, but I talked to my old team sergeant and he even said to me, he goes, here's what he said. I said, I'm thinking about, you know, doing SF guard or FBI. He goes, yeah, I'm not gonna say his name because he was he was so he goes, those guys are not like us, Terry. They're fucking nerds and they're not like us. They don't think the way team guys do. I go, really? He goes, Yeah, trust me. He goes, You do not want to you don't want to go there. And so I end up going to guard SF. But I funny story, I end up getting a could not get in touch with any human being. I submitted everything I needed for the FBI. Heard I forget how long it took me. I have it saved somewhere because it was so fantastic. All the things I I this is right after 9-11, right? Oh my god, right? Yeah, I have yeah. all this you know, this combat shit, blah, 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 all this I get a form letter back from the FBI that said, thank you for your interest in the Federal Bureau investigation. Let us know if, you know, any of your skills change. That was it. That was it. And I thought, Nerds. what's a motherfucker, what's a motherfucker got to do to get with the FBI? Like, I have no criminal record. I have no, I mean, like, so my, I guess my point is, you know, we'll slag on them now, but like, there's good guys in every organization, but man, they have been so hammered by their, by their really shitty, shitty leadership. And, you know, that's another thing. You said it the best. Trump's greatest gift was to expose all of this inadvertently because he wasn't even supposed to win the election. No. Right? So we would have never known. We would have never known how bad it was if he didn't get elected. It would have all been swept under the rug. Everybody would have been where they were and would have, not a word would have well, been Well, we done. knew the text messages. They're like, oh, there's no way this is going to work. But then – Things started looking bad, and they're like, oh, right. we need an insurance policy. Yeah. Oh, here's the steel dossier. Right. That's our insurance policy. But we can't prove it, but we can't prove intent, and you ignorance, you ignorant guys talking about a deep state. That's another thing. I get, I get guys in our community, and they just go, oh, you're a deep state. I'm like, you can call whatever you want, but if you're telling me, like you just said, Nick, there's this unelected bureaucracy, this machine that just and, – and, it's there. You you can go ahead and act like it's not there, but it really is there. And it's not Alex Jones conspiracy theory. It's out of control, man. And the power they wield over our lives and the, and they get to wield that power using the money we pay them for taxes. Like we pay them to, we pay them to fuck us over. We pay them. It's, we it's pay incredible. the FBI. We pay the FBI a lot of money to try to take the election from us. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And then, well, oh, well, they didn't like the results. Stupid. I didn't like the results those, stup those stupid rubes chose poorly in 2016. We can fix it. Let's yeah. start a three-year impeachment process. And I think this is going to backfire on them. I, it's I already, it, it already has, though, politically. Yeah. Politically. Look, look at the number. Look at the polling numbers for, for independent voters. It's, that, those numbers swung like 16% in terms of Trump's favorability in independent voters. Literally yeah. the most important voting block in America. And even if you, even if you, even if you sort of cast off the the, the polls, because you know I I predicted Trump's victory. I was on on Greg Gutfeld's show about a month before the election, and he was like, 
he was like, so predictions, I go, Trump's going to win it. And he looked at me like I was an idiot. He said, he looked, he goes, no way. I go, you wait, dude. I said, I don't live in, in New York or LA. I live in North Carolina. I was traveling a lot to Arizona, filming a gun site and stuff like that. And I said, I go, there's a vibe in the country right now where people are tired of being called misogynist, bigoted, Islamophobic idiots because we don't think the way they do. And Trump is, Trump is hitting on that. And so election night, fast forward to election night, my dad gone to bed. I was watching with my mom and I was flicking forth between MSNBC, CNN, and, and, and uh, Fox. And I forget what time I looked at my mom and go, God, he's going to, he's going to fucking win this. I texted Gutfeld. I said, told you, I mean, I don't think he even hit send. He wrote me back. He was coming on this Friday. So, <laughs> so he brought me back up. And the first thing he said was, all right, go ahead and gloat. I go, I'm not going to gloat because I'm not very smart. I just, that was the vibe. Trump, what Trump was, uh, Trump was a negation of a lot of this stuff where we were told this is the way it's going to be. Hillary is the queen and you're going to take it. And I think a lot of America still has, even though it's been tried to be beat, been beaten out of us by, 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 by certain institutions, Americans have a lot of Americans still have a very rebellious streak. Like we really don't like to be told what to do. It's just, it's kind of, that is kind of in our culture where we don't, we're, we don't, there was we're no peasant class. In the United States. Right. Yeah. So like, we don't, we don't do well with people telling us to shut up and, and obey. We just, we, don't. we went to war with the sole world power over like a 4% tax. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? This would be a good idea. And these guys are like, yeah, the odds of winning are literally nothing. And we're definitely going to hang if we lose over. Right. 4%. And it hung on we're a thread. It. And it was, and it's, it was hanging oh, on a thread, it, dude. It like the continental army a, got crushed yes. for a long time. It was on a thread. Like it, it was, was bad not looking good. It was bad, man. I'm still convinced Benedict Arnold. I'm still convinced. I'm a I'm a history nerd. I'm still convinced. He was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I I don't like how things are looking. Like people go into what motivated Benedict Arnold to defect. That's interesting. I think he, I think he was just like, oh shit. Like, this is it. This is this is not looking good. I I better get I better get the hell out while the getting's good. <laughs> You know, you kind of can't blame them in a way. And, yeah. and, and there's, that was, that's an interesting part of our history that I, I know so, – I suspect you know more than me. But I think uh, like the revolutionary that, – that time period, that colonial time is really interesting. I also really don't know – I mean, again, probably know more than the average person because most average people don't know anything about it. But I don't know nearly enough as I should about the Civil War. Um, I, I don't really know as much as I should about World War I. I, I know I, I, World War II, I've read quite a bit, read quite a bit about Vietnam. And of course, you know, we've been fighting in these ones. But I mean, like, yeah, you can never learn enough. Right. And I think every time I read books about any conflict, I'm like, fuck, I wish I'd read this earlier, man, because there's always lessons. There's always there's things always you go, lessons. How, how did we not see that? You know, I mean, it, it's so cliche to say, oh, those who don't study history are bound to repeat it. But it's it's so true. Yeah, yeah, it's man. so true. And we've kind of moved away. We don't teach we don't teach history anymore no. in schools. No, they, what they do is they do like these, I was just talking to somebody about this. They're like, they do these blocks. They're like, oh, we're going to do world cultures. Like it's not history. It's not like, oh, let's, let's talk about the time that the Aztecs decimated every other indigenous population right. on the continent, raped and pillaged their way up and down Central America. And oh, oh yeah. by the way, they cut out, the beating hearts out of their live victims to appease their gods. Like, first off, 
totally badass. Like who, what kid doesn't want to go like, Oh snap. That's awesome. Right. But, but like everything's, everything is whitewashed. Everything is, is just watered down to fit this ridiculous concept of education nowadays. Like we're not teaching kids this shit. And what, what's going to happen? What happens when, you know, Gen Z are the ones running for office yeah. and they don't know how the world works. They, they'll definitely be a little more worldly than your generation and even mine because they're like yeah. this, they're the first generation. My generation grew up with the internet. They were the one, they were born into it. Like the world's a very small place for them, but they're, yeah, only, yeah. That's they good, only that's good know, point. Yeah. they only know the here and now like they're cause they're not being taught. They're not being taught what happened before. Like, right. Holy shit. I mean, how, how are we going to avoid another like Afghanistan? Like when well, I think, Gen Z is you know, the president, how, how are they going to know that if they haven't studied it? Well, you know, it's fun. Well, you know, speaking about the whole internet thing too, I was in the last conflict where there was no internet. I was in the last conflict where you would wait for the mailbag and you would get letters from your girlfriend sprayed with perfume. There was that no, sounds there, was, there was no awful. emails. It was, it was actually pretty cool too. There's a coolness to it. And there's all, I, everything comes with a price, dude. Like in a way, I think it's sometimes in a way it can be harder for guys to be downrange to be plugged into their families 24 seven, because that can be very distracting. It can be. Yeah. Especially if bad stuff's going on. I mean, again, not, there's good and bad about all of it, but you know, talking to younger people, you know, even my nephew and stuff and my niece and, and people I know have kids, teenagers and stuff. And I'm surprised. I try not to be judgmental, but I'm surprised how much they don't know. So there's this, the internet has given an, an, an accessibility to information that, uh, dude, you can't, I can't, even, it's hard to get your head around it, what you can actually just go boom and fine. But with that accessibility, maybe has come some laziness and also they just don't seem that interested in it. Like I was asking my nephew about some, some, some history stuff and it was just like, I was like, did you, no, nothing. And, and it's not, again, it's not, a, it's not a critique on his intelligence, but like you said, it's really not being taught. And I think I was a huge history geek in high school. I mean, again, I was more of a geek. I was a geek anyway, but I mean, like, I do think, I think when you start throwing that stuff away for whatever current societal more you're going through, you will, you will pay the price for that. You're going to pay the price for that because it, it will, it, I, I never get tired of reading uh, history books and about, Oh my God, I had no idea they thought that way or that's what happened. And, and I don't know, man, I, I feel it's, like people are pretend people could potentially be smarter. And I bet there's a, a, there's a, there's a group of people that have taken this the right way and are actually really getting it. But I think and it, 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 humans tending to be lazy creatures that we are. I just think, I think it's actually for the most people it's made them tech savvy and I can push buttons way, but they're not that smart, dude. They don't no, see that. They don't see I that. Mean, there, there is, there's something cathartic about pursuing knowledge. Like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to pursue knowledge in this book. If you don't have to pursue it, like seriously, if I pull up my phone and be like, Oh, I want to learn something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, that's it's right true. there. But if you don't want to learn it, like, or if you say, why do I need to learn it? Like, Oh, that's another thing too. Why do I need to learn it? I'm like, well, first off, like, listen, I, I, I literally just wrote a piece regarding these Afghanistan papers. I don't know if it'll be published or not. I submitted it. I didn't go into the content of the Afghanistan papers because that shit's been done ad nauseum. It has. Everybody's, everybody's been picking those apart. You got to send, send, it, send it to me, man. I will. 
Yeah. I, what I wrote about was how, how is it possible that the Pentagon paper, or I'm sorry, the, the Afghanistan papers are viewed as this bombshell report. Cause if you had paid attention, <laughs> if you had paid attention just for a second over the past 18 years, right. You could have said, you could, anybody could have said, huh, it was right there. Yeah. Maybe Afghanistan isn't going as well as it's being portrayed. Right. But, all of a sudden, the you know Washington Post has a Freedom of Information Act request. They drop it. They finally come back, and they're like, oh, my God. And then everybody else is like, oh, my God. And I'm sitting here going, how is it possible that this could shock Americans? What, what you're right. This? That's a good and, point. That's Actually, I, I look forward to reading that because you're right. Because if, if even the most casual observer who thought more than just like flicked on a screen – you would think, go, man, this is this is really this is really dragging on, or, or you know, we just lost another guy. Like, should shouldn't that make you go, wait a minute, what's happening? Like for us, it's personal, so we're kind of the wrong guys to ask. But I mean, because you know, for most people, what happened with 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 the war, and uh, is that because for most people, it became just a news story. So you'd come in, eventually, people are just like, uh, oh man, they lost the green brain Afghanistan. Hey, what's for dinner? So unless you're connected to us personally, like yeah. if it's a relative or a friend or your husband or something like that, there's really the, most people in the country don't actually have skin in this game. No, it, and it's very it's very easy for them to keep living their lives the way they do, and which is what we want. But in a way, I need you to pay attention. Yeah, we 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 lost a little bit of that. It, it's it's funny because you know World War One, World War Two, people were so far removed from the battlefields. Yeah, like, seriously, news came from the front in a series of dots and dashes. And that was what it was. It came yeah. in a telegram, you know, Morse code. Right. And now you have, you can, you can turn on Netflix right now. If you, if you go to your television, hit Netflix, there's about a dozen phenomenal documentaries that are real and gritty about Af the Afghanistan or the war in Afghanistan. And it's shot in high definition. And you yeah. can see, and you, that's probably as close as your, anybody's, is ever going to get to war. You yeah. can watch this shit. Right, right. But even though the it's accessible, even though it's there, nobody's reaching for it. And so it it just became it's like just a story. It it's, a it's just story. a story. It's just a story. Like I, I tell people it's a news story and it's interesting because you know back in World War II, everybody had somebody over there, right? So you had an uncle, a brother, your husband, the country was rationing things like tinfoil and butter and tie. I mean, like, so there was a, a nationwide effort to beat the Japs and the Germans. Right. And yeah. it was like, you know, everybody was involved in, and a lot of people sacrificed. There was civilian defense, all this kind of stuff. We mobilized now, our economy to build tanks <laughs> and bullets and beat like the country mobilized. Like the whole country did. Right. Rosie the Riveter was, she was exactly. hot, man. She was hot. She was, everybody loved Rosie. She was hot. How could you not dig that? And so everybody was involved, and then guys came back, and they and they and they built the country and all that kind of stuff. We're like a weird. We're like a weird. And then the you know Korean guys, everybody forgot about them. They got they got shit on. They were not prepared after World War II. That we walked into that. Oh my God. And then Vietnam, all political, all yep. the same. And the Pentagon Papers, uh, Pentagon, I keep calling that too now. The yeah. Afghanistan Papers, <laughs> I, I said the other day, if, if, if you're interested in reading about this, this is nothing new. Again, reading some history would have brought you right to this because if you read, even just read like, have you ever read About Face by Colonel Hackworth? I have. Hackworth? It's the same thing. It's the same thing 
and it happened in Vietnam. And don't think it didn't happen in all the wars before that. And <laughs> I just look at it. But, but our generation that's been fighting this, the tail end boomers and you young studs, we are, we are one point, we're, whatever percentage of the population we are, this is, what, this is it. This is this big. And then even take that small amount, those are the real combat guys, right? And, and I actually, I, I, I wrote that in this piece, and I'll send it to you as soon as we hang up. I can't wait. Less than 1% of the population wears uniform. Right. And only Which a means fraction that, of that 1% are the ones that are engaged in combat. That are actually so, slinging it. And, and, and what happened, what's going to happen to us, I heard this guy say this a while back, and, and I can't remember where I was because, again, I'm old. But he was, an, he was a veteran, and he had talked about it. He goes, one of the things I'm concerned about, and he had this group that was trying to, is that our stories, our kind of generation will just eventually fade away in a way that the World War II guys didn't because there were so many of them and the country was so involved and invested in their success because it was their success that because we're so a small amount of the country and we're so separate from them, we're so divorced from that actual life that our experience as time goes on because it was already a small amount of people with not many people involved in it even peripherally, it just kind of goes away. It just kind of goes, and, he, and, and, it's, add, and he's kind of right, you know? He's and then right. add the ingredient of the fact that we fought unpopular wars. Like, yes. it, like you just sprinkle that on. And I think you're, you're 100% right. We are, we're in serious danger of losing a lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of important stories that deserve to be heard just like World War II. And but I think, you, well, ahead. you and I have talked before. You, you and I have discussed it before. Like that civilian military divide is insurmountable. It's never coming back. It will never go back to World War II. Yeah, I don't, I don't it's, think so. It's, so now we've created this, like, and I've called it a Praetorian class. Like it is, it is a, it's in and of itself, it's a caste. It's not, it's totally devoid of the rest of society because they, yeah. they don't have anything in common. They don't have any skin in the game. No. And, and, no. and, and it, there's, there are some good things to that too well yeah, that there is you know the other thing is too i i'm not sure i would want a conscript army because again no, 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 that no, would no, just no. fuck us up right so yeah. it's like i i people are like everyone needs to be drafted i'm like eh, i don't know if that's the right answer i don't want to share a foxhole with somebody that doesn't want to be there <laughs> no and because too is most of those people would be out in two years they have no re they don't want to be there at least the people in the military now want to be there most of them i think and especially the guys doing the fighting and the killing they definitely picked that. And that's another dirty secret too. Let's just be honest. Guys like you and I, we like, we like the fight. We really do. And so it, it's a hell of it, a lot it, of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, and it, 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 it touches something in our, in our, in our sort of really early, early humanity that, that we connect with and society will do well to find a place for people like us because we can also be very destructive influences back in a normal society. So a society. This is something I was thinking about writing, uh, actually, a book about. Is that the kind of a warrior culture thing where it's good to have these kind of guys? But don't make any mistake. I didn't join the army because America rah rah. I just wanted to be that guy in that picture that just got done cheating death, and he's fucking smiling about it. And I, so I, I, it's almost everything that's happening right now is kind of culturally and politically and everything. It seems to me. It's kind of, this is the way it's, this is almost the way it had to go because you have this, this rapid, rapid, you know, ascension of, of American culture. And it was based on, again, the people who want to destroy that are not paying attention because like what got us to this point, it wasn't the things that you want to do. That would bring us another way, but yeah. we get to this point, And so we're now a victim of our success. We're very well fed. We're generally very safe. There is 
there's always bad and good. There's always people who have and have nots. But if you think about the short amount of time America has been around, the fucking power we're able to wield, and we could even wield a lot more. We're pretty nice about it. But because of that, it always is going to turn in on itself. And it's going to, it's the, the seeds of its own destruction are already there. So I, when people say, will America, you know, get through it? I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. It will be different. It's going to be different. It has it to will. be different. And even, even in that small window of the history of humanity and yeah, this is the most peaceful period in human history and things like that, even within that own small window, we're further spoiled because even in this current window, there are a whole lot of shittier places on earth. Even, even, even developed countries have rolling blackouts. How well do you, how well do you think your average 14 year old would do without their phone and internet access for about five, six hours. Not well. That freak out. That freak out. Yeah. Man. Dude, yeah. we, we, you can, if you're being chased by lions or you're worried about waking up dead, you're not worried about transgender bathrooms. No, you know, you're not worried about, you're not worried about cultural appropriation. You're not worried about the kind of shit that people are navel gazing with now. So in a way, like I said, this is kind of all the way it was supposed to go. You have this massive success, this massive, massive, kind of overall economic wealth and power and just freedom. And it's always, it's just going to always turn it on itself. And so, you know, luckily I'll be dead, but you still have some, you might have some red dawn years ahead of you, Nick. Oh God. I call Swayze. I call him. I, I get to be him. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't, it, it, he's gone, man. So it's on me to be. He was so hot. He was so hot. God, that hair. God, so hot. So fantastic. Goddamn all American hero. And that was yeah. that was the Pacific Northwest, man. I, yes. how, I don't know if the Pacific Northwest would uh, fare so well nowadays. There's, I, you know what? For all the people that, again, the people that you see are the ones you see. But I think there's again, there's always a lot of people that are out there that you don't hear from that will be just fine. I mean, once they move a little further in inland, like once you hit like you get into the, you get into the what I'm saying is you get into the woods a little. Oh yeah, bit. up there, yeah, you'll probably find. But definitely, like once you hit like I think Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, yeah, you're in for a fight, guy. You're in for it's a not, fight. It's not going to work well for you. And that's you know, I go to New York to do stuff, and it's like, and I'm originally from it. I dude, I was born in New York City. I could never live there again. I lived there a lot, but I've never, I could never go back again because I just. I don't like being around. I just, I just don't find, it's just not cool anymore. I just don't really dig it. Like I like right out back, right behind me there. I walk out in a minute and the moon is over the fucking ocean, bro. I mean, ah, come on. I, I got lucky, it, man. Like, honestly, I, I, I like going to, I like going to New York city for very, it's short awesome. periods, for very short periods of time. Yeah. But I start feeling like a trapped rat, like people just stack, like just yeah. on top of another. It is, it's, it's, I don't know is, how you can live. I can't breathe in the city. Like I, I, I lived there for years, dude. I lived there even after the war. I mean, I lived there from 97. I lived in Manhattan from 97 to like 2004, maybe. And then, you know, then I moved to Beacon, New York, which is up on the Hudson River. And, uh, you know, I got, I got married. I'm not married anymore, but we, we had a house up there. And I, it, was, it was about an hour and 15 minutes north of the city, which is cool. You know, I lived right at the base of this. It was really – Hudson Valley is really beautiful. But – Going back in the city now just makes me kind of, I don't know, I get kind of edgy and not like paranoid, you know, fucking flashback thing. I just like, I don't, I, this is not interesting to me anymore. And maybe it's, maybe it's the old man thing. And it's also just, 
I'm just spoiled now. Like I can't, I can't go back. Yeah. You, you have, you have some breathing room. That's all. Dude, how long have we been talking? People got to, there's no one listening to us anymore. Well, nobody's listening right now. It'll go up tonight, but an hour and a half, man. And it flew by. That's because you're just such an interesting guy, man. This is all you. No, Come no, on. no, Nick. I think, I think, I think we have to give each other some credit. Give ourselves. All right, we'll give each other a little bit of credit. A little bit of credit. Well, let's, let's, let's circle around and give each other credit. We'll just give each other credit. Here's credit for you. And I really hope in my heart of hearts, Nick, I hope you're able to find a, a friend in that Thanks, office. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, That buddy. bothers That's... me, dude. That bothers me. That really fucking bums me out. Ah, oh, man. And I'm going to go in the office tomorrow, and I'm just going to, hey, guys. And oh. They're just going to ignore me. And I'm going to tell them. I said, my friend Terry says that you should be my friend. And he says that he wanted, to, he wanted me to ask you about Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition rules or Call of Cthulhu. Get on it. Uh, Cthulhu, the Ocean Lord, and I know. Oh, dude, I love H.P. Lovecraft. I'm like the one of the weirdest people. That like, I love that. I love that writer. Yeah. I, I think Red wrote like some years ago, not years ago, a while back. He was saying something about, and I didn't respond because I was just my feelings were hurt so bad. He said like H.P. Lovecraft is really overrated. I was like, oh, Red, no. no. That's because he like went to that. No, 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 no. Nah. It takes it's it's a different Listen, kind of writing, got, but he's got questionable taste in a couple of different things. You know, you know he carries an M and P shield. What? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Boomer Gat, Boomer Gat for sure. That. Even yeah, more so than a nineteen eleven. We're all we're all quirky dudes. We're all quirky dudes, Man. that's for sure. But I miss it, right? I mean, like I'm glad you're still in. You know, I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm, I I miss I miss hanging out with guys like you. That's what I because it's so much fun. And, you know, it's, it's, I just, it's, that's what I miss the most, you know, like, and what, nothing will beat that, you know, nothing, nothing can beat that. So the hardest, the challenge for someone like me getting out is to find some, you know, raison d'etre, some reason to get up in the morning. And I've, I've struggled with it. Um, yeah, I got lucky though. Like right when I was retiring is when I just got the first season of Hollywood Weapons. So I walked into a job and, you know, a film crew is actually a, as a team too. And I, the people who work on it are really, really cool. Like we have a lot, we have so much fun. So I got lucky, you know, I mean, I got lucky and I, and I, you know, I had all my limbs and I, and I was a mostly functioning member, but I mean, like, it's hard to get out. I, I, I don't envy the, I don't envy you when you do because it's, you'll miss it. But um, I, I guess that's the Listen. thing I miss the most. It was the best decision I ever could. And one more thing about it. So I've been out for four and a half years, war starts. I came back from the first deployment with 19th group and uh, we came back to brag actually. And my mom and dad were there. Uh, and uh, my mom said to me, she goes, wow, I haven't seen you look this happy in a long time. And I looked at her, I said, I go, I'm with, I'm back with the dudes I love, you know, cause I tell people, why do you do it? It's cause of love. Love is not an emotion for us. It's actually a choice, right? So, you know, we love our family. We love our, we love our, our friends. And, uh, but we, but we love each other more than we love, we love each other more than we love ourselves. I love my country. I love my family, but I love the guy to my left and right more because that's the choice, right? That's where yeah, the hands yeah. go in the middle. Like we're going to live or we're going to die. And that's, that's just something that it cannot be, cannot be recreated. And I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I, I'm glad I opened that book between my junior and senior years at, at, at college and saw the pictures of those guys. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's what brought me to that. It is. I, I think honestly, I think that brings that pulls most like SF dudes is 
I mean, yeah, you need you need that patriotism, and yes, I you need a, that love for country and everything. But again, like you can you can love your country and do anything else in the military. There, there's there's a there is a draw. There's a pull. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was a little you know I was I'm younger, so yeah, you had the Matthew Saw guys with the sweet tiger stripe. But also for me, like when I opened up my textbooks, I I saw the Scud Hunters. Yeah, in right, in right. you in know Iraq. Desert Storm, like and th- yeah. and those guys were like legends. Those guys man. were doing like those long range desert legends, and they were. We had like, those guys. We had some of those guys. We had one of those guys that got caught in that patrol. I forget his name. He was a combo guy. He came and spoke to us in the Q course. I was like, you know, these we walk among. That's another thing too in our community is that we walk among legends. We do. Like you're literally right. Like you're literally, you know, you know, there's certain guys that you're with that you're like. That motherfucker is a legend, like a, a legitimate legend yeah. in a group of guys that are already kind of legendary. So it's it's an honor, right? Like you're holy fuck, I'm going to hang out with this guy. Yeah. You know, and there's legends right now. There's legends right now in 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 special forces and other units and other but like there's just walking around, walking around like fucking legends. And, 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 and we're the only ones who really are, know it. Yeah, and then and you know, some of those some of those guys are legends. You know, in in the typical definition of what makes somebody legendary, but some of them are are legends only within the regiment, like only within the special. Well, that's what regiment. I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm I'm talking like, about I those had, guys. I had an instructor when I was when I was in language school. When I went through language schools at the very end, six months at the very end, and so you were assigned this tack who was basically the, the green suitor in charge because your instructors were all civilians. Civilians, right. Yeah, that's, that's actually that, what I went through way back when. I think it's all different now, but our language, I had six months of language after when the Q course was done, right? Okay. I think that's how it is now, actually. I think like, yeah. you get your beret and – but anyways. So this, this guy, this tack, he, he was – I'm not going to say his name. He, he, was, a, he was a legend because – he had a knife kill in Afghanistan. Like he's <laughs> like the guy killed a Taliban fighter with a knife. Like, yeah, he, that's he a le- went, you're automatically a legend. Like he went in, he went into a house, his gun went down, his rifle went down and he's like, you know what? I don't feel like going for the pistol. I'm going right for the knife. Like I, this guy's right here. And like, you're like, Oh man, like that's, <laughs> That's hardcore, man. Like, like, and, and that was like the same time like the Dark Knight came out too, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Joker's so like, funny. you see all the little things, and so we're all just like looking at like, holy shit, dude! Like, this legends, guy, just, man. Just watch the life drain out of this dude's legends, eyes. legends. It's a legend, Total legend. And like I said, like who, who's gonna know that outside the regiment? But no one will like, know. Yeah, but and like, even guys that have guys that guys awesome. that guys that are guys that have saved other dudes, and guys that have been so brave when the shit really was bad. And and you know the the other thing is in in our unit too in our world that goes before you. So uh, again, you can't really hide. So like guys like that when they're around. There, there, there's almost like a little myth around them. Like this guy, you, you know what this guy did. If you don't, if you weren't there personally, you'll find out. It will come, and I, you'll be like, my my Holy current shit. team, my current team. I, I'm new. I'm still fairly new to the guard. Right. Amen. There, there's a there's a dude who, and it, it was well known outside. Right. Past actions, incredibly heroic. 
absolutely 100% stupid. That was a stupid thing he did, but it was incredibly heroic and saved. It saved a bunch of dudes lives. Right. Um, and you kind of walk into that and you're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll go to combat with that dude. I'll go to war with that guy any day. Like, that's another, that's another thing. So, so not only do we go to a, a workplace where guys will kill and die for us, we, we walk among guys that are like, holy crap, man. I mean, they, they write movies about people like yeah. that and you're, you're, you're actually, you're actually next to them. So it's kind of, it's pretty great actually. It is. And it, it's, it's a, it's a phenomenal organization when you can say there's always somebody better than you. Who's got always be somebody better there's than always you. somebody better than you. There's always somebody. He's got, somebody's going to outshoot you out PT, you out rock you out language you always there there and so like you said there's peer pressure like it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy like it's shit or get off the pot like there's you better keep up yeah and you bet and you know you're not and some things you're better at than others uh and like you said there's someone always better than you and also you have to understand you'll learn this i've i have learned it that the regiment will always leave you for a younger man like you will always, you will always expire and the unit will continue. So you got, you eventually you will have to leave. You will yeah, walk yeah. away at, oh, she's a cruel mistress, dude. You'll give, <laughs> you gave her, you gave her everything. You gave this, you gave this mistress everything. You gave the regiment everything and you leave and you have a plaque basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, or, or several it's... things like that, but in a way though, you're gone. Like it's moved on, you know, oh, yeah. it's moved on. She had, she had the old bull. Now yeah. she wants the young calf. Yeah. And you're gone, dude. You're, yep. you're, so, so now you have to find a way to make peace with that and then, and then, uh, create a new life. So that's kind of what, I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to do. And we'll see. There's a I lot think of, I think you're crushing it. And honestly, like if, if you want somebody on the team, listen, talk to outdoor channel. I would run a mean craft services table. I would. All your favorites, little finger foods. <coughs> we make those little cookies I like. Absolutely. Okay. Like I'll, I'll put it a good word. I'll put it a good word for you, Nick. Yeah, I didn't go to like culinary school or anything, but you don't need that. No, it's real man. world shit. No, you can learn anything on the internet now. So who's next? Who who are you going to interview next? Who's next? Honestly, I don't time? know. I don't have anybody's schedule. I guess I'm. You know, I I don't always interview people. Sometimes. And it, it's, it's way easier when it's with somebody because when I just sit here and I talk to this camera for 30 to 45 minutes, it's weird, man. Like, I you know, you should talk, have you talked, have you talked to, uh, have you talked to Clay yet? Clay Martin? No, I need to get him on. Get him on. He's One, a- because I literally have his books on their way here. They're great. Like, I can't wait. He's a really good writer, dude. You're going to love his work. Well, I, I've been, I read like the other stuff that he, that he writes. Like, you know, he, he writes these, he writes like gear reviews and i'm like yes Man, this guy, yes this guy can this guy can actually write like even though it's like technical professional writing like it's good like so i'm, well, I'm where do you read where do you read his fiction because it's actually when i read sword of the caliphate i was like i actually was pissed because like i had to put it down i was like fuck i don't want to put this book down it was really that interesting and that and that and he so it's you know he's an sf guy so Clay, by the way, we're totally fucking sucking your dick now. So it's like, if Clay, you know, we love you, dude. But he's yeah, but he's really talented. And, it's, and again, I was so happy to read his stuff because again, he's a brother. But he's again, that he's a weapons guy, and he can and he's he's going to become a very very good writer. Well, he's, already, he's actually an echo. 
He's a comms I thought guy. He was a, I thought he was a weapons guy, wasn't he? No, like, he's a comms guy. Oh, that's so that's shame on me then. I thought he was a Bravo. Well, I mean, I well in a previous life he was a Marine Scout sniper. That's right. So, I mean, he was he was so a Marine. Like, uh, yeah, he guy. got into the the whole gun thing and the the long gun and long gun shooting. I forgot he was an Echo. I totally I totally. Well, anyway, that's that's another guy you should talk to because Echo Master Race. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> well, if you're a Delta, I tell people if you're an 18 Delta, which is the medic, if you're an 18 Delta in Special Forces, it just means one thing: you're just very comfortable touching naked guys absolutely nothing wrong with that <laughs> nothing wrong with that yeah, i okay? my my uh my the first delta on my team and he he uh he passed away last year it was that was it was it was a bad thing oh, but man. uh he was he was such he was so comfortable with it too i he was a like all deltas are we're all a little weird, weird. we we received our we received our mission brief for the last deployment I did with fifth group and uh, battalion commanders coming in and Joe just stripped naked and he just stood in the corner of the team room while we received a mission brief about why we, what we were going to do in Syria. And he was stark naked. We had the attachments in there too. Like we had a, like some 25 series combo kid Good and God. Uh, like a, like a generator mechanic and, you know, Joe's coming up behind him, and he's just, you know, uh, oh man, so good, so well. Yeah, something happens to us in that course for sure. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, he was always very comfortable being naked and not, but you know, he there was no shyness when it came time. <laughs> no, to you can't, you can't drop be. your pants. Let's see what's going on, uh, dude. When I have a guy come up to me, I got to the point where I got, hey, Terry, can I ask you something? I'm already getting down on my knees because I know I'm going to be checking <laughs> it. I know it's going to be something down there. No are, are we reaching for that penicillin? I'm already, go, I'm already going for – oh, dude, I got stories. But yeah, that's <laughs> Well, man, let's well, talk again sometime, bro. Absolutely. This is, this is so much fun. It is. It's fun with you. It's easy. So next time, we'll, uh, I want to hear some of your, your uh, medic stories. I have some good ones. I yeah. don't doubt it. I have some good ones. Yeah, we all got stories, man. Good, good, we do. good SF guys can tell good stories, too. Oh, man. Yes, we can. Terry, thanks so much, brother. It was fun. We'll do yeah, it again. Yeah, man. I, you, I keep doing this, too, man. Keep getting, uh, keep getting uh, guys from our community and uh, other guys, too. I mean, you know, I have some guys I'm going to have to send your way and uh, that I think you'll find interesting that you probably like to talk to. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. All right, Not brother. Really. We'll talk. I, mean, I love you, man. I'll talk love to you. Love you. Okay, buddy? Take it easy. See ya.